we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks are the ways that the birth of Jesus didn't just impact us today, but it also actually worked backwards and started to validate some of the things that happened before he came, like thousands of years before. It gave us a new way of looking at them, a new picture of what this looks like. Because Christmas, just like babies, Christmas is such a big deal because of the effect that it has on everyone else. It's a big deal because of the effect that it has on everyone else. Like no other baby born thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away, has impacted our life today in Fresno, Clovis, Sanger. Like Jesus moving into the world has impacted us and affected us. And so the road to Christmas, this, this path that God started, that God watched over, that God orchestrated every single step along the way, the road to Christmas doesn't just start in December, doesn't start the moment that Thanksgiving meal is digested and boom, all your Christmas stuff comes out. The road to Christmas begins in a garden. And the road to Christmas begins with creation. God created the world and he put our first parents, Adam and Eve, who would have made the same decisions that you and I made. He put them to live in a garden and experience God's creation. And every single time that God created something, this is in the very beginning of the Bible, every single time he created something, he says, it's good. He makes the world, he says, it's good. He makes the animals, he says, it's good. He makes people, you and me, in his image and says, it's good. Every other creation narrative and at that point in the world, humans were an accident. They were the byproduct of a war. They were something that happened because two fake gods couldn't get along and, and God creates us and God says, you know, these people are created out of my love for them and I'm telling you, it's good. Behind the rules and the history of the Bible, you know, the things that are so easy to pick apart and, and, and have, a, have a problem with, behind all those things is a relationship. We begin to see this in the garden. We begin to see this as the road to Christmas starts thousands of years before Christmas as God begins to tell people, I love you. Begins to show his love and his joy for people through a relationship. It's a relationship that continues through everything else. And the first thing that we see the relationship continue through is the first instance of heartbreak that humans unleash upon God. We see the road to Christmas beginning in a garden uh, and it, it's beginning as God draws people through difficulty that people create. Because when sin came into the world, everything was broken. Joey talked a little bit a while ago uh, about communion and the, the reason for communion, the reason that Jesus had to come into the world to die was because sin entered the world. When our first parents, Adam and Eve, made the same decisions that we did, made decisions to, to go directly against what God said, which is the same thing that we would do, sin entered the world and immediately everything was broken. For the people there, it was their physical bodies. It was their marriage. It was their ability to just go out and find food. All those things were broken. Because when sin came into the world, everything was broken, but God had a plan to restore everything. God had a plan to restore everything. Just like everything we see happening in our world with cases skyrocketing and ICU beds shrinking and disappearing and all that stuff, God's not shook. God's not upset. God's not looking at the numbers going, how am I going to make this work? That's what we do. God doesn't do that. God has a plan through everything. And God begins to reveal that plan, begins to reveal the road to Christmas to his people. And he does that through the Bible. And one of the first people that he begins to reveal this plan to is what we're going to look at today. It's a man named Abraham. 
Abraham lived a crazy, weird life where we look at it today and we're like, man, that I'm not doing that. There are parts of what he does that I look and say, yes, this is good. But there are huge other parts where he does things and we look at that and say, like, don't ever do that. But that begins to show us God's grace towards sinners. It begins to show us God's ability to walk with people through disaster. And one day God says to Abraham, the media team, I'll put this up on the screen. This is Genesis 12. He says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Right there, the the context of, of God's message to Abraham right there immediately is he's talking to a really old man. He's 75 years old at this point. His wife is a little bit younger, but to a 75-year-old man who had no kids up to that point, God says, through you, there's going to be a son. Through you, a child is going to be born. Eventually, through you, that's going to completely change the world. In a thousands of years from their situation, God is talking about Jesus. He's saying, through you, Abraham, I'm going to bring a baby into the world that's going to change everything. The road to Christmas is going to go straight through you. But for that to happen, Abraham's wife needs to have a baby. And they're really old at this point. The Bible doesn't like mince words on that. Abraham is really old. He's better, like he's basically dead when it comes to thinking about having kids. He is really old. The Bible's really clear on that. But God says through this family, through this man, everything is going to change. And the extent that, that everything that Jesus was going to be wasn't totally unpacked right there. We just know that all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Like we have no understanding at this point of everything that that's going to entail. And so what God does is he begins to unpack what this is going to be. It's like you're opening a really big gift. And so you get to the first corner and you start pulling it back and you see like the number of the item number at Costco. And you're like, okay, I know that this is big. I don't know what it is. And you continue to pull the paper back more and more and you understand more and more about what it is that you're opening right now. That's what God is doing on the road to Christmas. And one of the big ways that he does it, the way that we're going to talk about it today is through Abraham and through his son, Isaac. And I'll be honest, like this is one of the stories in the Bible that I get to and I just want to like skip over it. It's hurt. It, it's, it's heavy. We were talking about old movies last night uh, and one movie that w- I've seen and never want to see again because it's, it's old. It doesn't fit with what we call exciting now uh, is It's a Wonderful Life. I had to watch it a bunch of years ago uh, for preaching a sermon on it. A bunch of years ago, we looked at Christmas movies and, and preached through them. And there's a thing about it where you just hurt for one of the characters. And I guess that's how they made movies back then is you just watch it and you're like, oh, that was terrible. I feel bad for that guy. Like, I just want to go cry. And people are like, that's a great movie. We're going to watch this forever. Like, that, that's not how we do it now. But I read this story and I'm just like, oh. But through this, we get to see God's heart. Through this, we get to see how God loves people. And we get to see through this story what God is doing to unpack Christmas is that faith requires everything. Faith requires everything. The road to Christmas goes through faith because without faith, none of this makes sense. Without an understanding that God is still working everything together, the fact that we are meeting outside gives us hope. Or without faith, there's no reason for us to look at this, look at a building that is like 99% of the way complete because we've been waiting for it for a God-ordained good amount of time. Without faith, like we look at this and we're just like, man, this is so frustrating. 
We're huddled together under heaters. We're moving services back because 830 and 42 degrees is really, really cold for church. With faith, we look at it and we say, you know what? This is all going to work out. God's got a plan. He's not delayed. He's just waiting for everything to be right for our situation, for our world, for stuff in our own personal lives that we have been waiting for and asking God for. God's never slow. It's faith that requires us. It's faith that puts us in a place where we can do what Brittany sang about, where we can continue to sing. We're never going to stop singing because God is never going to lose. Are there going to be things that happen and we're like, what in the world are you doing here? Yes. And if they never happen to you, you're not paying attention. But through those things, God says, you can trust me for this because faith requires everything. And so God shows us what that looks like. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. That's never a good sentence, right? Like that means that everything that you enjoy in life is about to get run over with the truck. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. I want you to take your son, your only son. Remember, Abraham is really old when God shows up to him and says, through you and your wife, you are going to have a son. This is something that Abraham waited 25 years for, and then his son is born. Picture that 100-year-old man with a baby, like together, not because it's four generations later. It's a 100-year-old man whose wife just had a baby. Like you go into Costco, you're going diapers for two people, okay? The baby and the grandpa. Like everybody's getting diapers, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Like faith requires everything, and it's, it's not just faith and faith. It's faith that God is love and God is Lord. What's that mean? It's faith that God actually loves you and me. And when we get up in the morning and we are remembering what disasters we caused yesterday and the way that we snapped and the things that we did yesterday, God still looks at us with love. He doesn't look at us with a degree less of love because what we deserve from yesterday, if we get the love that we deserve from God, none of us would be alive except for the babies in the back. They'd get a pass. The rest of us have sinned so much against God that it necessitated sending Jesus into the world to pay for that sin. And so we get to see the love of God because we're here to experience a new day. We also get to see faith. Faith requires everything and that's faith that God is actually Lord. That he gets to tell us things in our life that we're just going to do because he's in charge. That's part of what it is to be a Jesus follower is you're actually following something. You're following something that at times is going to make your life difficult because it's going to push you away from doing things that come naturally to you because we're not just following ourselves anymore. We're following God. And if you're following a version of Jesus that never tells you to change, you're following yourself. Following Jesus is going to continue to push us to do things that are difficult. And at this point, Abraham already had his thing, right? Like God shows up and says, through you, every family on earth is going to be blessed. I'm going to give you a kid. I'm going to give you a son that you and your wife have been praying about forever. Abraham has his thing. Like if there's ever a moment to unsubscribe for him, this is it. God says, go sacrifice your son. Nope. Unsubscribe, done. Block calls, never getting any more messages again. I bought a book for a dollar a while ago. 
the, the premise was is if you become a member in this, this club thing for 20 bucks a month, then uh, you can get this book for $1. So I thought, okay, I get the book for $1 and I immediately cancel my membership. And so I got the book for $1. And as soon as I got the book, like as I'm walking inside, I'm pulling out my phone, cancel membership, unsubscribe, done. That's the moment where Abraham could have done this. I got my kid. I got my book for a dollar. I don't need anything else from you, God. But no, faith that requires everything, faith that God blesses, faith that actually changes our lives, meaning that we see that God is love and God is Lord. This is the moment in our lives where we go through these things, where we actually grow. Because for all of us as Jesus followers, pain is the epicenter, the incubator for us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. He's quiet in the good times. He's still there, but it's in the moments of pain, the moments of difficulty where God's voice shouts in our lives because it forces us to realize that God's the only one we have and God's the only one we need. Faith requires everything and it's faith that God loves through difficulty. It's faith that God is love through difficulty. That's the, that's the faith that grows in us. Verse four. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. It's faith that God is loved through difficulty. It's really easy to extend, really easy to understand and, and tell people about the fact that God is love in the middle of everything being awesome. It's a lot harder in the moments where everything is broken to be able to say, God is love. God loves me. God's love is seeing me through this. Abraham says, we will come right back. He's got faith that God is going to deliver, that God has a plan that is bad as everything looks on the outside, that God is going to use this for good. And we will come back. I think that's a word for some of you right now as we look at everything going south again. You're heading into the holidays and that's when family stuff can get a lot rougher. And you're looking at what, how are we going to provide? How are we going to sustain? Numbers are up. Job opportunities are going down. What's going to happen? And that's your word is we will come back. God's not going to lead you into this as a cul-de-sac of life. He's going to walk you through this just like he did for Abraham, verse six. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. That's real faith right there. But real faith is never easy faith. Real faith is never easy faith. That's part of the message of Christmas because redemption also costs everything. Faith costs everything. Faith requires everything. And redemption costs everything. Verse nine, when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. And don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld him. You have not withheld even your son, your only son. 
And then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And the road to Christmas isn't only seen in God providing the lamb. It's not only seen in the fact that God gave Abraham a blessing in the face of unsurmountable loss, indescribable loss. It wasn't that God spared him just from that. It was that God went through what he didn't allow Abraham to go through. The reason that we can sit here as Jesus followers, the the hope that we have, the reminder that we have in the midst of all of the disappointment and discouragement that we cause God, that we cause ourselves, that we cause other people is the fact that Jesus died in our place. That Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. That That God did what he spared Abraham from doing. That line, he says... In 12, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. And that's not, what God, that's not what God went through with his own son, with Jesus. Jesus came into the world to bring sinners like you and me who are dearly loved by God, but that love isn't accurate. It's an understanding love. It's a knowing love. So God doesn't just see us with blinders on because love is blind. God sees us with his eyes open, seeing every way in our lives where we run from God. And so God sent Jesus into the world to chase after us to bring us back to relationship with God. And the only way that that can happen was for Jesus's life to be offered up as a sacrifice to God in place of us. That on that mountain, when Abraham raised his knife to take the life of his son, God left his son there. And that was for relationship with us because redemption costs everything. It's God stepping into our place, demonstrating love, to bring rebellious people like you and me into a relationship with him. And that's the thing I want us to think of today. One, one thing I want us to be reminded of is that there's faith in God that we can have that carries us through difficult times, that doesn't ignore and belittle the difficulty that you and I live in, but instead God meets us in it and walks us through it. And the second thing is he does it for everyone who says, okay, God, I need a savior. Because Abraham was not a good guy. Abraham had baggage in every single area of his life. If Abraham applied to work at Mountain View Sunnyside and be a leader, I would look at few key areas of his life and say, no, you need to repent. You need to change. You're not even good enough to lead here. Instead, God moves in his life and God reminds us, man, you're all sinners in need of a savior. And I will take a disaster and use him to demonstrate my love for you. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's what God did through Jesus. Media team is going to put a verse on the screen. It says this, Romans 5, 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's redemption that costs everything. It forces us to deal with a few things. The first is that Christmas is a reminder of the fact that we are sinners who have been saved by grace. There's so many happy things that go on right now. It's joy to the world. That is a good thing. But for us who follow Jesus, this needs to be a reminder of the debt that was paid to forgive us for our sin. Not in a way that's going to bog us down and make us reminded of all of our shortcomings, but in a way that's going to give us a picture of what real love is, of what God's love is, is that it's there for the good times and it's also there to pull us through the dark times. That the things that we do that put Jesus on the cross were not part of God's plan 
because he didn't create us to sin, but it's something that God has full control of in making right again. When sin came into the world, everything was broken, but God had a plan to restore everything. And that includes us. And God is going to send his son into the world to remind us and to pay for our sin as a demonstration of God's love for us. And the second thing that I want us to it, want it want us to be reminded of is that this is going to continue to cost us everything. Uh, the offering verse that we read that that as we give we're we're reflections of God's desire to give of God's ability to give of God's heart to give it's a reminder of that. But also so is the rest of our life. That is God worked with a person who is sinful, who is selfish, who made really, really bad decisions. We're put into our world, put into places so that we can live as people who are equally willing to sacrifice. Are we going to have to sacrifice our children? No, that's God's job. That's what God did for us. But part of the way that we demonstrate God's love for people is to live in a way where we're okay to take other people's burdens where we're not so selfish, where we're not so delicate that we can't put cloth over our face as a way of demonstrating to people that God loves them, that God loves our world, that, that as we go out to, 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 to be ambassadors of God's love, we're okay to make sacrifices so that our neighbors can be healthy. That as we deal with people in our lives who mess up again and again and again, like the offering verse talked about, give to those who can't repay you. Part of us embodying and reminding people of Jesus' sacrifice for us is that we make sacrifices for others, that we are willing to be inconvenienced, that we are willing to take the hard road so that others can take the easy road. That for us, this ethic of sacrifice, this ethos of sacrifice is something that God demonstrated for us in a way that is bigger than we could ever accomplish on our own by sending sinless Jesus into the world to pay for us, to pay for our sin. And then God says, right now, I want you to go and do that elsewhere. I want you to go and do that at your job as you are the most forgiving person there because God has forgiven you of way more than you'll ever need to forgive anybody else of. I want you to do that at your house as your kids are growing up and figuring out what it means to no longer be babies and going through different stages and pushing against us in different ways. God says, I want you to have the same repetitive forgiveness the same mercy that I have had for you because you've disappointed me too. But instead, it's not disappointment that you feel. It's mercy, it's forgiveness, it's new life, it's a second chance. God says, this is how I want you to live. And is it gonna cost you sometimes? Yeah, it's gonna cost you. But it's not gonna cost you like it's cost me. And I'm gonna give you my Holy Spirit to live inside of you and to guide you through those times, to lead you through those times because that's the way that God sees us and how God loves us the road of Christmas. It causes, it, it requires faith for us. It, re, it shows us that the price of redemption is everything. And in that we get to see God's power. We get to see God's hope. We get to see faith that pulls us through any situation into a closer relationship with Jesus as we see every day how much he loves us. Let's stand and pray.